Hi everyone, it's John and Ben, and welcome back to Santa by the Minute, the podcast where Ben and I talk about 1985's Santa Claus the Movie, one minute at a time. And this week we are on minute number 73, and before we dive into that minute, we do have a little bit of listener feedback, right Dooley? More and more learning to write now, asking for what they want, reading and writing, writing and reading. So Ben, who wrote in this week? Okay, so Mike from the podcast Advent Calendar House. And and former guest of the show. Right. <laughs> he shared something with us about the time zones and the North Pole and New York and all of that. So I'm just going to read what he wrote so I don't mess it up. Okay? He says that if it's 8 p.m. on Christmas Eve in New York, it's midnight over the eastern Atlantic Ocean. So the Azores and Cape Verde Islands, eastern Greenland, and that's it. So if Santa does have to make a stop back at the North Pole, that's the best time to do it. It's the first time zone after the halfway mark. Because that's something I brought up, how Santa may have stopped off after delivering presents to one half of the world. Right. Stopped off back at the North Pole in time to catch Patch live on TV. Right. And then headed off again to, it's Christmas Eve, I gotta do what I always do. But we'll be getting to that shortly. (laughs) But that opens up another can of worms that we are going to rant about in probably another episode, maybe next week. We'll we'll talk about it a little bit more as uh, the minutes go on here, but if Patch is going live right now in this previous minute, and it is 8 p.m. in New York, doesn't that mean that he has already missed half of the world as far as delivering his special lollipop, Patch Pops? So, we'll talk about it more, but... I think that might lead into the fact that maybe he's not actually delivering these two all over the world. I don't know. We'll have to find out. We'll have to find out a little bit later. I think we can't jump the gun yet. You know, we got to wait. Okay, so let's talk about the actual 60 seconds of Santa Claus the movie that we're here to talk about this week. But we are here this week to talk about minute number 73. And that minute begins with a concerned-looking Santa watching the very end of Patch's Puce Pop commercial. It then immediately cuts to Dooley, who asks, What are you going to do? Now, I remember early on in this podcast, we put in the audio from the ABC Movie of the Week broadcast of Santa Claus the Movie, Mm -hmm. and I remember how you commented how Dooley's line reading of, What are you going to do? Just sounded like gibberish. Sounded like a Hanna-Barbera catchphrase, like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do you remember that you didn't say it on mic but you, you you told it to me i don't remember but yes i mean i stand by my statement <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of words to get out very quickly yes and i mean he does it you know i mean if you have the captions on you definitely know what he's saying but you can kind of get the gist And then there's a line that I suspect may have been added in after the fact. It's Christmas Eve, isn't it? And then it cuts to Santa saying, I'm going to do my job the way I always do. But I kind of suspect that it's Christmas Eve, isn't it, was probably added after after the fact. In the book, it has Santa saying, well, at least he's all right. 
Yep, that's where our last minute okay. ended. Okay, I couldn't remember where exactly it ended. And then we have a little little thought bubbles of Santa. But according to the book, it's Christmas Eve, isn't it? I'm going to do my job the way I always do. He sighed. So it sounds like the line was always there. He just kind of did it in a different fashion is all. So it kind of seemed like it was kind of cut. Do you want me to read his little thought bubbles before sure. I, uh, I want to know what's going on. on? Yeah, I want to know what's going on inside Santa's head. Okay, so these little thought bubbles happen before Dooley says, "What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You know, <laughs> hey, boo boo." <laughs> so after he says, "Well, at least he's all right." That was one weight which he was glad to have lifted from his heart, even if it had been replaced by another. Had he really driven Patch to this? Was there some way he might have done things better to have kept Patch from leaving them in such bitterness? If only he had tried a little harder to talk to Patch. He always had such difficulty discussing things that were painful to him. And then that's when Dooley says, what are you going to do? It kind of like stopped his train of thought. You know what I mean? And it's like, yes, Santa... If you two just talked it out like grown adults, Patch wouldn't have left like this. But no, they didn't talk it out like grown adults. They huffed and they puffed, and now everything's all worse. (laughs) So while all this is happening, the exchange between Dooley and Santa, you can still hear the TV commercial going on in the background. Yes. And when Santa does turn to leave the room, you hear the TV announcer say again, Merry Christmas from BZ Toys. So you have to keep right. in my reading. Keep in my version. I think that was pretty good. Okay. So what was the running time of this commercial? Because it, during the negotiations, the conversations between Patch and BZ, this is going to be broadcast live all over the world on every channel. And Patch asked, is a minute all right? So did BZ keep his word? It has to be over a minute. I feel like this commercial has lasted uh, three episodes now. (laughs) Okay, so doing the runtime of hearing Patch start talking and the ending here in this minute, we have 77 seconds of runtime. Now, it could be a little bit different if this scene that's happening right now is happening when Cornelia is talking to BZ. Because we don't actually hear the commercial then because BZ turns his TV off. So we don't know if this 11 seconds in this minute would be happening at the same 11 seconds at the end of the last minute in real time. And that would make it closer to a 60-second run as opposed to a 77-second run. It does seem odd that BZ would not be watching the uh, commercial play out live. Right. He really wanted to make that dramatic swivel, like James Bond villain reveal to his own step-niece. Yeah. I'm not 100% convinced that on the TV wasn't supposed to be the commercial, but they decided that having that dramatic entrance was more important than having the commercial on the TV. Because that would have been an effect that would have been added afterwards. 
I do wonder what was lingering on the TV between the announcers saying, this is this special broadcast was brought to you by BZ Toys. And when he says, Merry Christmas from BZ Toys. If it was today, I think it would be all the disclaimer stuff, you know, side effects may include. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like the legal disclaimer. We didn't have Eating them the back puce. then. <laughs> if back you need the puce was... pops, you will not sue BZ Toys. Back then we didn't have all those disclaimers. It was, well, if you get hurt, you get hurt. So, <laughs> so, I don't know. It could, I guess it could be anywhere from 67 seconds to 77 seconds depending on when this scene right now is happening in correlation to Cornelia and BZ in New York. Maybe maybe there was like a tape delay to get it maybe. up to the North Pole. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Possible. So we cut from Santa exiting the room up there at the toy workshop to Towser oh, but... and BZ entering the toy factory warehouse that we saw earlier. Oh, but you have some more? I have more. Before okay. we go to BZ and Towser, I okay. have a little snippet that was not included in the movie. After Santa leaves, you know, he walks out the room and starts to do his work, you know? Puffy gestured at the television screen. I'll tell you what I think. He said, resentfully angered at the pain of Patch was causing Santa, and still more than a little jealous of Patch in his heart of hearts. I think Patch is greedy. And Dooley sighed and shook his head. Not greedy, he said sadly. Maybe just a little bit elfish. Oh, we even get a uh, elf pun. Yes. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Have they used that yeah. one before? They all start to know. sound the same after a while. I don't know if you know, they I, have I remember, or not. I remember there was a book exclusive uh, elf assurance or something that Anya yeah. said that was only in the book. And then when I put it in the, our uh, spreadsheet, it, they'd yeah. already used elf assured previously in the movie. Do you want me to look on our spreadsheet, see if it's there? Yep. I, okay. I, I don't think they've used Elfish before, but, after, you know, seventy we're 73 minutes in, all the Elf puns <laughs> start to run together in your head. There's only so many self words, you know? They found every single one. Uh, let's see. I do not see Elfish. So you want me to add that in here? Well, yeah, even if it was in there, we'd have to add it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll add it. Elfish. You have to put an asterisk after it, because that means it was book or non-movie okay. exclusive. Elfish. Got it. So that was a new elf pun. Okay, now you can Are move we ready on. To enter, ready to enter the warehouse now? Yep, I'm done. I'm done with the North Pole. So, I, I, so we are back at the toy factory. Why yes. wasn't BZ at the the TV studio? I don't know. When when all this was going down, why did he feel the need to go back to his townhouse to then travel with Towser, who was at the TV studio with Patch, mm-hmm. to the toy factory slash warehouse on Long Island? Yeah, there was a lot of unnecessary travel going on here. 
I don't understand BZ's movements this day at all. I mean, to be fair, we don't know exactly where in New York the TV broadcast was taking place. True. You know, in your head, your your first instinct is to go to, like, the Times Square area, you know, where uh, uh, Good Morning America or, or mm-hmm. today, it's the, the Today Show that uh, broadcasts from there. I mean, very, they very well could have broadcast from here. Possibly, yeah. Like, another level here. BZ looks very angry. I know he's always kind of, like, angry and annoyed. But he's just coming into this room, like, upset about something. He should be happy like he was uh, with Cornelia cracking his knuckles last week. Okay, but so, he, well, yeah. So I was getting to that. Does the book shed any light on what's causing BZ's mood? Where is it? Okay, well, um, what it was is that when they walked into the room here, he was not in a bad mood when he walked into the room. I mean, he just looks like BZ, right? Mm-hmm. But what it is is that there was no noise. There was no sign of Patch. Everyone was just standing there oh. in the dark. Patch was not there. And so his going, where is he? I mean, you know, because he's like, we got a show to get going. You know what I mean? Like, get a show on the road. Move it. Where is he? So they're there coming in the door. He takes his hat off. They step onto this stage that's painted like red, white, and blue. Mm-hmm. With a lot of stars and a lot of lights. We see two guys d- dressed all in white with little hats with their arms crossed. It looks like an airplane runway has been built in this toy warehouse. Yep. And these guys with their arms crossed. I guess the only thing that I can think of, I, I don't know if it would be like a race car's pit crew. Or like, you know, back in the 50s when you would go to a... Um, like an all-service gas station, and they'd mm-hmm. run to the car with the gas pumps and check your tires and all that. Yeah. Because all, the big stars, like, remind me of the Texaco star, and they were the Texaco gas attendants would be dressed similar to this. Right, yeah. It doesn't really say why he needs all of these people. Because he only needs two. Well, I don't know, because uh, in a second we'll see four more bringing the total of people that they hired for this up to six. Well, you could see all six of them right here. You see, I think these two that are standing up uh, by the doors, they probably open up those doors. Yeah. And then the other four scurry over we'll see in just a couple seconds to pump the gas. Yeah. Or pump pump the reindeer... uh, stardust from gas pump looking contraptions into i guess the patchmobile has two uh, gas tanks but we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit <laughs> so bz steps up onto the area that looks like a stage and who's standing there already besides the uh pit crew so we have the chauffeur grizzard grizzard and we have miss abruzzi now we know that because of behind the scenes and reading the book but how would a normal person know who this is it's just a random woman who's there (laughs) i mean i guess i assumed back in the past before we knew every bit of santa claus the movie related lore that Mm -hmm. this was probably just uh like a lawyer of some sort yeah because they don't because bz doesn't address her by name doesn't go oh hey miss abruzzi no he but does. Have, I think he does in the book, though. We have heard him yell Miss Abruzzi's name back in minute 64, but we have That's not true. seen her until now. Miss Abruzzi! Oh, 
don't bother with that. If anybody comes in, I'll just vanish. You what? So it looks like Grizzard and a bruise have been standing there for a while and that begs the question why would the chauffeur be just hanging out here wouldn't he be driving bz and towser yeah. to this place it's very confusing <laughs> yeah i don't know why well unless the unless gris well i don't know i mean he's even wearing his he's even holding on to his chauffeur hat you see here did he bring maybe he brought patch here earlier Oh, from the TV station, and then uh, yeah. Towser had to pick up BC at the townhouse. Maybe. <laughs> I B don't know. Towser it would have made things a lot easier if BZ was just at the recording studio. <laughs> you know what I mean? But no, he had to go say hi to his great step-niece that he doesn't know who she is. Makes no sense. Yeah, I'm not even sure he was there for that. Maybe he forgot something in his little man cave, like, study. Maybe. And, uh... It's like, oh, while I'm here, I want to make this big dramatic swivel in my chair. I've always wanted to do this. <laughs> I don't know why they couldn't have made that um, that um, re revelation later. You know, like, why did it have to be on Christmas Eve night? Couldn't have been the next day, you know? Like, he could have, instead of saying, <laughs> well, it certainly should be, you know, maybe, like, he could be the next day where she's saying Merry Christmas, he could be like, it certainly was, you know, or it Instead, certainly is. And yeah. You know all what I mean? Sorts of money and <laughs> something like that. But anyway, th that's just a plot point we would fix if the movie was redone today. Right. That is correct. Before we move on, uh, in case people hadn't noticed while watching this movie, that this is the exact same room that BZ and Towser walked across in minute 69 and 70 to go see Patch that first time. They've invested a lot of money into this uh, runway that only six, seven, eight, ten people are witnessing. <laughs> they have. They had to do a little bit of rearranging in here from when it was when we first saw BZ and Towser enter this warehouse. Because for one, that door was painted green. So they repainted the door and added all of those lights around it for special effects. They made this ramp and then over <laughs> because of the ramp, they couldn't use the ramp that BZ and Towser walked down originally in minute 70 because it would have hit the car ramp. So they had to take that ramp out and put in stairs. And then, you know, when we watched minute 70 and we saw patch's office for the first time i didn't realize that his office is actually on the second floor of this warehouse not on the first floor <laughs> i have i have this whole warehouse layout like in my brain now because i've been going back and forth comparing the two minutes on what they had to do to get this all laid out like this now miss abruzzi here after a bz says where is he up there sir so she does have some lines, a couple, and a couple more, I believe, after this. So let's hit the pause button for a minute, Ben, because we have to give Miss Abruzzi her due. Okay. Her doozy. <laughs> Miss Abruzzi, her doozies? <laughs> yes. So Miss Abruzzi is played by Judith Morse, and she only has three other credits. Can you believe that? Only three other credits on IMDb, and I cannot find any other information about this actress it all leads back to whatever imdb has i don't have if she's still with us 
uh, when she was born. But her other three credits, she played a character named Mrs. Bingham in 1979's Speed King, which was apparently an episode of the BBC Two Playhouse, which I assume would is like a masterpiece theater type thing. She was credited as a performer, not even a character name, just a performer of Forces of Darkness in 1985's Brazil. The mo- I guess there was a movie called Brazil. <laughs> Which sounds familiar. I think we may have to go back, but I think uh, Nicole Appleton also said she was in Brazil. So there you go. There's another connection for you. And the only other credit Judith Morse has on IMDb is as Girl's Mother in 1986's Little Shop of Horrors. And that's it for Judith Morse. That's all I got on Miss Abruzzi. Huh. It's weird that there's no information on her. Like, I was expecting, oh, there's going to be another one of those BBC character actors who appeared in 500 things, but uh, <laughs> that's all I got. If you have more information of Judith, Miss Abruzzi, uh, let us know. Write in to santabytheminute at gmail.com. So going back to this pit crew for a second, what do you think these guys were told? Like, what they were going to be doing this Christmas Eve in this warehouse? I don't know. Would you think these were already employed on the BZ Toys payroll? Or did they go down to the service station and goes, hey guys, we want to make a few bucks on Christmas Eve. Come down to my warehouse and you're going to be pumping magical flying reindeer dust into an elf's car. <laughs> I'm wondering if maybe um, they already worked there or were hired. Maybe they made this whole runway. Okay. I mean, I don't know how you would hire six people. To come, I mean, as as careful as Patch is about anyone seeing or doing anything, they had to have either been already with the company or um, someone that they hired and kind of like in the in the shroud of darkness. You know what I mean? Like, you're not allowed to know anything, but this is what you have to do. Because these guys, the, the four off to the side, at least, know exactly what to do. Right. When these curtains open in just a couple seconds. Yeah. I mean, they have to come up with some story to tell them. You know? I mean, maybe BZ just has a has a handful of people that he just has in his, in his employ to do random things. Like, whatever. And this is just one of those random things, you know? They're like, it's a living. What does BZ <laughs> want us to do tonight? <laughs> at least we didn't get fired like everyone else at Christmas. <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay, so after uh, Mr. Bruzy is done saying, he's up there, sir, we hear, pew, all the lights have turned on. Fanfare music begins to play. Now, do you think we, the audience, are the only ones hearing this fanfare music? Yes. Or is there a speaker well... system in the warehouse? Because everybody seems to be reacting to it. Grizzard, uh, Abruzzi, Towser, and BZ. It definitely adds more punch to it. And considering how big Patch seems to be on theatrics, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he has somebody controlling the lights and controlling this fanfare music. I mean, maybe. You know? I don't... I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it could be coming out of his thing. Out of his car. 
you know like maybe it's just cruising music like i'm the new santa i'm the new santa i'm the new santa handing out puce pops now the camera is really lingering on the patchmobile this is what patch has been working on for almost a whole year now it's very interesting i never noticed before because you know we weren't looking at it frame by frame that his little quarter panels back here on the back part of the uh, car, they're not just straight cuts. They're all like wibbly wobbly things. Like no wonder it took him so long to make this car. He didn't just do a straight wood cut. He has them all like pieced together like a puzzle. So how would you describe the Patchmobile to people just listening and you had to paint the picture with words? So the Patchmobile is a yellow and red convertible type vehicle where the trunk is like a roll top desk where it like rolls up and you have room underneath there the wheels look like giant beach balls and instead of regular headlights you have drummers with lights instead of drums yeah like little toy soldiers yeah there's a big reindeer as a hood ornament and pinwheel antennas. Yeah, it looks like a big toy. Yes. And you have to think that the people making this movie, as long as they linger on the Patchmobile in this minute and the next minute, that they had to have thought every kid is going to want to have a Patchmobile toy. Mm-hmm. Sadly, that never came to be because there are no Patchmobile toys. No. Not even like a little matchbox uh, car size one. I know. I wish they had one of those. Now, there is a mysterious Patchmobile toy that was discovered fairly recently, last year, in fact, on the We Love Santa Claus the Movie Facebook group and a couple other like toy-related Facebook groups. A guy, I believe he was in Illinois, was at a junk shop and found a, you know, one of those little kid ride-in cars of the Patchmobile. We, they don't, we don't know if it was a prototype, if it was, like, for a contest or a giveaway. We don't know. The, it was made by, uh, let's see, it was made by the Kingsbury Mini Motors Company, which also made, like, the turtle van that the kids could ride in, or the Batmobile. So, obviously, there were big plans for the Patchmobile that never came, came true. It has to be a prototype. Like, this is what we could make for this movie. You know, and then the movie didn't do well, so they're like, oh, well, we, you know, we can't justify making this toy line if it's not going to sell. That was the most likely uh, thing that happened. They couldn't yeah. justify coming out the Christmas of 1986 with a ride-in Patchmobile for a movie that didn't do that great or had a mm. reputation of not doing very well. Yeah. So they probably just gave the prototype to somebody who worked at the company, and it mm -hmm. just ended up years later in this junk shop where nobody knew except for this one person, what it was. He did put it on eBay. I don't know if anybody bought it or not. So if you know what, the whereabouts of the ride-in plastic kid-sized <laughs> Patchmobile, we'll have a picture on our website. I hope that I hope the, um, the Santa Claus Museum guy bought it. I hope so. I mean, it was in the same area, you know? That's, that's, I, I hope that's what happened. Yeah. We couldn't justify buying it. Like, how would we no. even ship it here? Where would we put it? Well, we have plenty of places we could have put it. Hanging from ceilings and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to duck when you go around it. You know, you'd have to put it in the corner of a room or something. 
But I don't think we could have justified the, the cost of getting it here. Now, tell me if you agree with this or not. Okay. But I think BZ got it totally wrong with the commercial. He should have been live broadcasting this. Yeah. The, the takeoff of Patch in the Patchmobile and these guys running up to fill up the gas tank and all that. Have mm -hmm. the lights and the fanfare. Because this seems like a lot of work for nothing. You know, all this extra work, the special paint job and the stage and the curtains and the lights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, from the book, um, it, it describes all of this. It feels to me as if this was all just patch. This wasn't designed by BZ or anything. This is all just a big show that Patch wanted to put on to leave for the first time. You know how, how Santa has his whole ritual where they're all lined up and he goes through the toy tunnel with his reindeers and they do all the singing and the and the dancing and they do all the stuff. I think this is Patch's version of that. Lights and twinklies and... Oh, yeah. I didn't think of it that way. And the guys, the four guys rushing up mm -hmm. with the gas pumps is like playing him. the role. Yeah, he yeah. and the others dancing out with the bowls of uh, mm -hmm. reindeer food. There were four of them. There's four of the new gas tendants. So it could be symbolic there. You only catch a glimpse of it, but these guys in their white jumpsuits and baseball hats... They do have the big BZ logo on the back of their shirt and on their hat as well. You only catch a glimpse of it. You only see it if you go through it frame by frame like a total obsessive nerd like <laughs> us. Yeah, you can just barely make it out. Now, I have to say this effect here of the what's supposed it's supposed to be. It's supposed to represent the magical stardust going through those tubes through the gas from the gas pumps into the car mm -hmm. but it's so obvious just a uh, string of twinkle lights run through a clear tube <laughs> yeah they they definitely didn't do a very good job here they should have at least put multiple strands through you know it it's so sparse in that tube you can tell that it's lights if they had maybe three or four sets in that tube so that they would all be blinking all at the same time Maybe it would look a little bit better. Yeah, maybe touch it up a little bit. Yeah. Because you don't even see anything coming through the actual pump into the gas tank. Oh, yeah. Well, I just assumed that was like a metal, you know, like oh, a, okay. like yeah, a not, not a see-through piece. The very last thing we see in this minute is Patch reaching for a knob on the Patchmobile dashboard. Yeah. And then the minute ends. We will talk more about how the Patchmobile operates next week. <laughs> well, from what we can see anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knows how this thing actually operates. So I'm just uh, going back to the last few seconds of this minute again. Man, I can see why Patch had no time to help BZ and Towser design the lollipop. Look at all, I can't believe how much he put into this stage and runway setup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they really didn't have, I know like, Movie-wise, this looks quite grand. But in all practicality-wise, I would think that <laughs> there could have been a lot more time spent on the actual item and a little bit less on the uh, <laughs> the scheme of the room, you know? BZ had to sign off on all of this at some point, which is surprising. Yeah, I know. 
looks a little uh, too well uh, put to, put together too well for it to be a VC project. <laughs> Why do you need this money? Why does it need to be white? <laughs> Can't you just drive it out of the room? Why do you need one million round light bulbs? <laughs> How many giant stars do you need? What do you mean this is going to cost me $500 to power this place for one night? And this is on top of the TV commercial. Right. This feels like something I should probably wait to bring up later, but I'll just bring it up now because it's on <laughs> on my brain. He only had a little satchel full of yes stardust. Mm. Yet here we see two giant gas tanks filled up with it, and he had enough to sprinkle into puce pumps that he's going to distribute to the entire world mm -hmm. he really knows how to stretch it out does he does he have to like water it down like dilute it a little bit <laughs> i don't know it makes zero sense to me as to how this works it seems like we've seen a big stardust harvesting operation up at the north pole earlier so right i mean unless it's, it's similar to uh you know tinkerbell and the fairies you know they have like specific uh fairy jobs to make the fairy dust continually regenerate maybe there's something similar for the star dust in this movie you know like tinkerbell has like that little blue dot right like the little blue liquid that they put into the fairy dust and makes it expand into more fairy dust i thought they had like a tree like that continually yeah. <laughs> made fa fairy dust or pixie dust rather Maybe there's two different storylines. I don't know. But anyway, maybe it's similar to Tinkerbell and the fairy dust method, you know? That maybe it, it regenerates itself with a little bit of help that we just don't know about. I have a lot more to say, but <laughs> we will save it for our next minute. <laughs> because my biggest problem with the movie that I'm sure even the book can't explain away is coming right up. It, 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 uh, yes, I know exactly what it is. <laughs> we'll talk about it. It drives me up. crazy. Mm -hmm. We will bring it up next week because this episode's already gone on too long. <laughs> well, either next week or the, or the week after. We don't know yet. We'll see. I believe we have like another minute of admiring the Patchmobile coming up. Yes, so. <laughs> we do. Yeah. So, Ben, where can people reach us if they want to talk about pixie dust or <laughs> missabruzzi or time zones well as you said earlier you can email us at santa by the minute at gmail.com did, did you momentarily forget our email address <laughs> i almost said our other one <laughs> but you can also find us on facebook instagram and twitter at santa minute Ben and I post a brand new episode each and every Wednesday. And as always, you can listen to any of those episodes. Hot cream!